Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. What's happening, Derek? Not much, man. It's all good. It's all good. Happy Nurses Day. Yes. Happy National Nurses Day. Happy National Nurses Day. And they need a happy day. <laughs> they do. <laughs> Trust me. I know. Well, they do all the work. The doctors come in and sign a form and wander off to coffee or something, and and then the nurses do all the other, all the back-breaking labor. Yeah. They just, the doctors come in and issue orders right badly. Yeah. <laughs> and then walk away. Yeah. So, happy National Nurses Day to all the nurses out there. Uh, also, Tuesday, May the 4th be with you. With you. you. <laughs> and uh, Wednesday, Revenge of the 5th. Or Cinco de Mayo. Uh, Cinco, what was Cinco de Mayo? A lot of people think Cinco de Mayo is Mexican Independence Day. It was. But it is not. Some big battle or something. Yeah, it was, it was a big battle that you defeated. And it was under a small force or a... Not as powerful a force of, of the Mexican people went against Napoleon the Third French force. Oh yeah, and they defeated him. Hmm. There was it. They didn't. It was still some fighting for the next few years before the French finally left, and then everybody was gone. Uh, English, Spain, all mm-hmm. those everybody. Uh, but yeah, you know the Independence Day, Mexican Independence Day, is actually September sixteenth, not the fifth. A lot of people think it's the fifth. And it has also started about 50 years after. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, Cinco de Mayo, a victory against the French in Napoleon III. Um, what else? I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Good show. <laughs> Great having you. Well, there was the, uh, so uh, we, we we did argue about this earlier, but uh, you said it's, uh, it's a revenge of the fifth, and I think it's revenge of the sixth. Yeah, but revenge of the fifth. Is closer to sixth. Sith. Sixth. Yeah, you don't know. You don't. You're a Star Trek fan, so shut up. You don't count. <laughs> you both matter down here. <laughs> Get out of my mom's basement. You don't matter. <laughs> uh, I got. You're looking at him right there. Some paddling adventures. Uh, uh, some radio swag. swag. Uh, I got one of those enamel mugs. I got a couple of T-shirts. I know a couple other people that got uh, T-shirts, uh, one of the drawstring bags, the neck gator. Uh, every, it's actually looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pretty yes, good it's stuff. good fabrics, nice and soft yeah. and smooth. Soft and, and um, our friend Kim said, I was going to go for the small, but I decided I better get the medium just in case. Yeah. And she says it actually fits properly. She should have got the small. She should have got small. Yeah. Always get bigger anyway, because you don't know if it's going to shrink. You never, yeah, and and it's hard to unless you can try it on. It's hard to trust manufacturers yeah. how they're going to make their sizes, right? And that's why I don't order a lot of stuff like online? dry suits and yeah. stuff like that online. Mm-hmm. Is because I know I'm going to get it, and like my this, the dry suit pants are going to be up around my knees. And- <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you see the uh, the dry suit somebody purchased uh, online? She was, she posted it. It's like, uh, it's like a purple fuchsia. No. And she, she's standing there. She goes, I just ordered this came today. Are the sleeves supposed to be this short? And so the sleeves came just like six inches up from the wrist. And it's oh. like, oh, that's, that's, that's weird. Kind of small. It's like it, she said it fits every other way except the arm length. Ah. <laughs> so. Yeah. It, it, expense, like 
if I'm buying a pair of socks or ten dollar item, that's one thing. Yeah. But when I'm spending big money on an, exactly on, not just outfit anything. Yeah. I don't like to order online. I know. Especially. Exactly. Yeah, I'm a big one. That I, I've i ordered a few things online since all this, this COVID thing began, but uh, I'm really big on not ordering stuff online. And not big ticket items. And, and, like, yeah. and I've learned this mistake so many times where early on it was like, hey, cheaper the better. You know what I mean? And so, you know, there's a couple incidents where I bought rain jackets that it's like you're wearing a Ziploc bag. It's like, Oh, it's like sweltering. It You're out in a rainstorm and you're wetter inside your rain jacket than on the outside because all yep. the humidity is just sticking right in there. And it's like, oh, this is horrible. Yeah. I think I might die. <laughs> so I've learned the lesson and uh, I, I prefer, I, I'm not a gear snob by any means. I, like I'll buy something and it'll last me 10 years type thing, right? My current tent that I'm looking at replacing this year is 21 years old. Yeah. yeah. So it's lasted me forever and I still use it. But uh, yeah, so but it's it's good to spend good money on good equipment. That's going to last you a while, exactly. Hopefully. Yeah, because I don't know how many times I've bought like you know sometimes you can back in the day you could buy the the multi layer jacket with the fleece liner and it's like oh this is good look at that it's only twenty bucks it's like oh well, yeah you get you, what you pay you for get buddy what you pay for yeah. exactly well go to paddlingadventuresradio.com. there's a big round button there that yep. says merchandise click that go to our store buy stuff. Yeah, help support this podcast. Exactly, our multi-dollar operation. Yep. And we've been ordering our own stuff, and mm-hmm. it's like good quality. It's yeah, I'm, I'm I'm quite happy with. I'm the, really with the happy with how soft the fabric yeah. is. Well, because the last time we went into the merchandise foray, the shirts that we got were kind of. I refuse to wear it. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're so delicate, like, like a flower. It's like wearing a burlap sack. So some people get off on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's my penance. <laughs> wear the burlap shirt. Wear it. <laughs> Do you have a wool sweater I can wear, please? <laughs> anyway, yeah, go by, go check out some of our gear. Uh, it's it's we're not making a ton of cash off it. It's more to keep the pay for our expenses and to we have more fun and get our name out there. And yeah, people can gets, see us it, wearing it. I think I get more of a kick out of watching somebody wear it than absolutely. Yeah, than, than you know anything else so you brought up a good point when we were chatting earlier today spring shoreline cleanup yes, time exactly a lot of us events i don't think are going to happen this so year I, i've looked around and if you I, I so i went to there's georgian bay cleanup there's uh the river watchers cleanup there's there's a bunch of websites like i, I came across easily a couple dozen and uh, many of them, like uh, Georgian Bay, they're saying that, you know, they're still running events and so on, but it's all individually. Yeah. It's done individually. And instead of group events, what they, so they're saying just go out, collect it uh, in the name of whatever organization you're doing it for and uh, bring a tarp so you can sort your trash afterwards and, and, you know, take ownership of your, of your paddling areas, of your rivers, of your lake shores and so mm-hmm. on. And, uh, it's, it's that national, it's that, well, the U S Canada, everywhere in the world does this. It's every spring. It's, it's time to go out and pick up the wa- all the hundreds of water bottles and, you know, pop bottle caps and stuff like that on shorelines. And it's, uh, it's an opportunity to give back to nature that, uh, you know, the, what we so dearly appreciate from the nature. So yeah, springtime, everything yeah. starts getting washed downstream and everything's exactly. in the winter ends up on the shore yeah. and 
just throwing a garbage bag into your canoe or kayak and it would be amazing if people didn't throw garbage in the first place but but it takes responsible people to help uh, mm-hmm. nature clean it up uh when i go up duffins creek of course duffins creek is a big salmon fishing and everything else mm-hmm. hot spot a lot of branches and everything hanging over the river so everybody oh i'm just going to cast over there under the oh. branches i go up the river in my canoe or my kayak with a with, well i've got the knife on my my yeah. my life jacket there and i clean all the the bobbers and hooks out of <laughs> i've got more bobbers yeah. more floats than i know what to do with Mm-hmm. Because, of course, the, the little hooks or whatever are rusted or whatever. Yeah. So they'll just go in the trash. The line goes in the trash. But I've got more floats and bobbers <laughs> than I can shake a stick at. <laughs> but, hey, they were free a if I ever need one. <laughs> a couple of years back, we <laughs> ran the, uh, the Saugeen River with Mike Burns. And uh, and uh, I, I don't know, he, he fa- Mike found it on a branch or something. It was just a, a bobber with like a two-foot uh, length of fishing line. So he grabbed it, gave it to Beckett, and Beckett dragged that thing and played with that thing. He still has that bobber from that day. It's his, it's his little prize possession. Uncle Mike, he gave it to me. <laughs> yeah. But he, the whole day, he just dragged it in the water as we paddled along, right? It's like, oh my goodness, why, why do I buy toys for this kid? <laughs> so John Van Berger brings them cheese and, yes, and cheese, John. pepperoni. Yeah. And Mike Burns gives them bobbers <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think they're starving for attention <laughs> what have you done for them lately Derek? i know right what have you given them lately <laughs> sad yeah sad but so, yeah next next time you're uh out in your canoe because like i say springtime everybody mm-hmm. right now everybody's itching to get out there a lot of people are sneaking out yeah. there and you know, don't lockdown. ignore the fishing lines. Pick the fishing lines up because yeah. that's one of the worst things. Like birds and other animals can get caught up in it. You got to clean that stuff up. And masks. Oh, that's a new thing. That's big that. time. <laughs> You're seeing all the pictures of like birds flying. They got a mask because they got their head yeah. stuck in. That's like the uh, the the pop can or beer can plastic things, yeah. right? The six pack yeah. holders of plastic. You got to cut all. Even though it's going directly in my mm-hmm. recycle bin. I still cut it all. Well, think about this. Like, you know, when you do archaeology and stuff and like the days, you know, we, they, they're digging into the uh, the lava at, at Pompeii, like 4,000 years from now, they're going to go, oh, look at this. There must have been a pandemic up this time. There's uh, these layers and layers, shoreline layers of masks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Four feet of masks yes. along this one shoreline. <laughs> wonder what happened. It's quite the buildup. Yeah. Must have been really bad in this area. Yes. <laughs> On a different note, the little bit of a news, because I was Googling as as you do, the Lowestoft RNLI life, Lifeboat Crew, the Royal National Lifeboat Institution. That really rolls off the tongue, doesn't right? it? And a local HM Coast Guard rescue team were called to investigate a <laughs> of sea, uh, reports of a sea kayakers in trouble off the Suffolk Coast. Suffolk Coast. So here you see this line. It's like, oh no, more kayakers or canoeists that have to get rescued. And lifeboat was launched soon after 11:30 a.m. on Monday, May 3rd, following reports that two people in separate kayaks were in need of assistance. Two kayakers paddling over a half a mile off Pakefield, southeast coast of England, 
We went alongside and the solo male paddler in each kayak confirmed they were both okay and didn't really need assistance. <laughs> well, what's up, guys? Uh, we're good. <laughs> Could you imagine? What's going on, fellas? <laughs> Why are you out here? <laughs> Somebody said you guys were in trouble. Uh, no. No. <laughs> but as the sea was getting quite rough, they thought they would head closer to shore. Fine, we'll go in. <laughs> All rescue personnel were then stu- were then stood down a lifeboat returned to its moorings. Nice to hear a, a good non- story. <laughs> <laughs> non-rescue story. I've been and, and you know what? I purposely not been talking about them because I'm going through and every there's day so many. there's so many cold water and yes. and everything else way out lot mm-hmm. g- got swept out to sea on the paddle board and uh, yeah or cottagers are rescuing paddlers again and yeah yeah so, so I, i've sort of been steering away from that but then this one come across and i'm just like oh well that's different it's <laughs> <laughs> a good news story <laughs> keeping on the safety theme okay the international canoe federation and starboard the their uh, stand up paddleboard maker okay have started a um or launching a new safety campaign it's underlined its commitment to safety on the water by teaming up with the leader uh, the international canoe federation is teaming up with leading global paddleboard manufacturer starboard to develop guidelines for stand-up paddlers the ICF safety guidelines will be included in all beginner board starboard packaging and will emphasize the importance of knowing your limitations, being familiar with your surroundings when you take to the water. So it's like when you go buy a, a you know, introductory paddleboard package, mm-hmm. yep. they'll give you this little guidelines package. Yeah. Say, hey, when you're out using your new equipment. This is how you keep yourself alive. This is alive. what you need. This is... You know, the requirements. This is what you should be looking at. Don't go sailing 50 miles out <laughs> to sea because you're not getting back. Don't paddle across or, Lake Ontario to Rochester, New York. For a third time. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, don't. So this is this is cool. It says, we're absolutely thrilled that stand-up paddling continues to grow around the world and the role we have played in that growth. We also take very seriously our role in spreading the message of safety. Stand-up paddleboarding looks so inviting, many are tempted to just jump on a board and head out to the water. And while accidents are rare, it's important people are properly prepared. Our stand-up, paddle, stand-up paddleboard partner, Starboard, shares our position on this important role as one of the world's leading manufacturers and sellers of stand-up paddleboards. What better way to get the message out to first-time paddlers to be safe? Uh, the guidelines will also include very valuable instructions on how to get started as a panel boarder. Additionally, the starboard generation boards will be available at heavily discounted prices for all clubs associated with NFs. I'm not sure what NFs is. Hmm. So, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, which brings to mind, if they can put together a little guideline package, which if starboard's going to hand them out... Yep. Then there's no reason that other paddleboard companies can't hand them out. Yeah, I'm not sure what's involved in these packages, but even if it's just your basic, uh, you know, just an informational sheet to say, yeah. "Hey, are you a beginner that, that's paddler?" I think it's like a, a little booklet or a something. A little booklet, like the you know, where structure you know, manual. Exactly, wear a life right? jacket uh, if you're if you're new to it, and make sure you have these. 
types of gear with you. If, if you're on a stand-up paddleboard, make sure you wear your leash, mm-hmm. your paddle leash, and and your your uh, your your stand-up paddleboard leash, and so on. Like, you know, it's so easy to get separated with wind and and waves, and next thing you know, you're 100 feet away from your paddleboard, and it's like, huh, you're swimming, right? Yeah, yeah. So if we can do this with stand-up paddleboards, maybe something like this could be put together for canoes and kayaks. Yeah. You know, when you buy your new watercraft, you get a little package of info. Like I say, I gotta just think it's like a little instruction book, like you get with a yep. with a a new vacuum cleaner. Yeah, and maybe some stickers and stuff like that, just yeah. to keep it interesting. And uh, I think this is a brilliant idea, especially for first timers. Oh, absolutely. So we'll yeah. see where we'll see where that goes. But yeah, good on them. Yeah, people beginners see others doing it and think, oh, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that there's it may be a little bit more complicated than you think. Yeah. So I remember the uh, <laughs> when we went with Warren that day, there there was a few things I wasn't expecting. For one, like it was initially it was it was fairly difficult to get st- stood up on the paddleboard. But one thing I did not expect is that the arches of my feet were going to explode. Yeah. Like yeah. the arches of my feet hurt so much just because you're. You're not relaxed. You're new. So your you're, feet you're, are, you're, are stiff. And yeah, to, you're fighting the movement of the board, trying to stay straight and braced, and you're using the arches of your feet way too much. And it's like, oh. <laughs> it was also November, so we didn't want to go in. <laughs> yes, that's true. We were very opposed to falling in the water. <laughs> so, yeah, so this we'll follow along this and uh, see if, if, yeah, it does roll out to canoes, kayaks, and stuff yeah. like that. Because realistically, it's, you know. It's good that it's done. Absolutely. I posted a video on our Facebook page a couple days ago called The Filer Creek Expedition, a first descent in Canada's Coast Mountain Range. So three kayakers, they set out. This is on the uh, Red Bull channel, but I was watching it and it's like, this is, this is, this is something that I wouldn't want to do. Just But I'd love to be there and watch it. (laughs) Three kayakers seek out first descent of Filer Creek, a 66-kilometer stretch of river that will take them from the Alpine of BC's coast mountains to the Pacific Ocean. So they pack, the three of them pack just enough uh, to get them through for seven days because they're taking everything with them. There's no no way anybody can get to them to, to get stuff, right? Exactly. So they drive, then they take a water taxi, then they take a helicopter just to get to the start. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah, it's not like... That, that hey, sounds um, pretty epic. How right? would you like to meet us at the next takeout? Because there is no next takeout. The next takeout <laughs> is five days. <laughs> uh, although there was plenty of uh, portages along the route, the film shows some incredible white water, stunning scenery, as the fellas make their way down river, paddling and bushwhacking by day, and the most amazing creekside camping at the end of another exhausting day. There is one shot they were looking over all at the end. They're looking over all this mountain scenery. And it's like, wow. A uh, short documentary shows how challenging it is to execute expedition-style trips such as this, where there is some risk that what the white water isn't as advertised. Well, they all their scouting was by Google Maps, right? Google Earth, baby. <laughs> Google Earth. I swear by Google Earth. If you can't find stuff on Google Earth, then what can you do? It's not worth. Well, finding. that's exactly it. He was uh, the 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 one guy was looking through Google Earth, and he said, "Oh, hello, what's this?" And he started looking down, and they said, "You know, let's try it." Yeah. And as I have found, if you come up with a with a really 
far out wacky idea. There are always people There's that will follow you. Somebody I have <laughs> never, ever <laughs> not found somebody yeah. to follow. Hey, he's stupid. Let's follow him. Well, imagine the first <laughs> bungee jumper. Hey, I'm going to tie these big elastics to my ankles and jump off that bridge. You want to do it? Yeah, man. Let's yeah, do let's it. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we have a guest that is going to talk to us uh, about a trip that he's doing for a very good cause. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Dark Sprecht. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find out more by checking us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page for our website, where all our podcasts are available for download or streaming. We love to hear from our listeners, so if you have a suggestion for the show or want to let us know how we're doing, please drop us a line. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. So we got a little message there, oh, a couple weeks back. There seems to be a lot of things going on this year, which we're going to talk about a couple more later on in the show. A lot of events, um, a lot of raising money for, for different things. A lot of it tends to be COVID. But I was approached via social media by a fellow named Jeff Khalil. Uh, and Jeff is joining us this evening on our show or today on our show. Uh, Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Sean. I'm glad to be here with you both. You have a, uh, 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 what would you call it? A charity, I guess. Yeah. A non-profit? A, a, a non-profit charity? Yeah, I'm, I'm not, uh, it's, I'm not incorporated, but I'm, I'm definitely, I'm calling it an expedition fundraiser. That's what I'm calling it. <laughs> okay. That works. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's called Paddle for Progress. Uh, and you can check, uh, check Jeff out at paddleforprogress.org. Uh, and it's a, he's paddling to raise funds for the fight against cancer. And I, I, I really wanted to get Jeff on, uh, because the last year and some, everything has been geared towards COVID, which, you know, I mean, it, it is a, a big, big pandemic worldwide. Yeah. But even a, a couple of days ago, watching the news, um, you know, and, and as listeners know, my wife is a, an ICU nurse, isn't in the COVID unit working daily. But the surgical units are closing and a lot of people are t- trying to either stay away from getting diagnosed with things or being turned away. And where everything used to be the fight against cancer, I think that's getting dropped by the wayside a bit. Yeah, not necessarily dropped, but it's being suppressed. So mm-hmm. in in the fight to reduce the numbers in the hospitals and to reduce contact and close contacts, they've been like a lot of day surgeries and a lot of normal items have been pushed to the wayside. And, and so the concern is, is that people are being are, are 
very hesitant to go to a hospital or a medical clinic. And so people may not be getting themselves checked out like they normally would. Yeah. So the, the big donations and everything going to these other um, diseases and stuff like that. We know Tori Baird is doing her auction as well for Fox G and yeah. and stuff like that. Jeff, you're doing, you're paddling to raise funds for the fight against cancer. Fight against brain tumors. Yeah, you, you, that's right, Derek. Yeah. You, yeah, you guys are both right. I mean, it's uh, this is to benefit uh, an organization here in the States called the National uh, Brain Tumor Society. And, um, and it's, it's really inspired by, um, by the loss of, uh, of a, a really close friend uh, a few years ago. And um, I did a, a fundraiser last year uh, on a bicycle and, and was sort of thinking, you know, I need to make this an annual event and um, sort of got this wild hair that I, I could turn it into a, a, instead of a long distance bike ride, I could turn it into a long distance uh, canoe trip. And that's, that's really where the, the idea started. Last year, we were fortunate enough to raise about $5,000. This wow. year, in a, in a fit of insanity, I, I set a $10,000 goal. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not terribly close at this point, but we're, we're, we're building momentum. And I, I think, uh, you know, if you told me last year we could raise five grand, I would have said no. Um, and, and I think uh, 10 right now seems equally far off, but, um, but we're hopeful. Hey, and, uh, go big or go home, right? That's it, man. That's what I'm hoping. That's right. So before we get into that, let's. I just want to do a bit of a back history uh, of yourself. Uh, you used to to paddle when you were a kid. Your your family was into paddling. They were. They were. I uh, I grew up in the uh, suburbs of Boston in a in a town called Lexington, which is you know famous for for what we call the shot heard around the world. Uh, you know, in the states, it was the first um, little skirmish in the American Revolution, and um, the the other sort of sister town right there is Concord, Mass, um, which is sometimes pronounced Concord other, in other parts of the world, but it's Concord in, in Massachusetts. And um, the Concord River uh, is, is, the, is the sort of the nearest place to get wet, I think. And um, I remember as a little kid, um, my folks, uh, they, they didn't own a canoe at that point, but we'd go and we'd rent one of those battleship Grumman aluminums. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and my sister and I would sort of sit on the flotation cushions, you know, and on the, on the, on the floor of it uh, between my folks, and we'd, you know, noodle up and down the Concord River. And um, later, uh, we would go up to a, a lake in, um, in New Hampshire. Uh, there's an there's a area of New Hampshire called the Lakes Region, and we'd go to Newfound Lake, which is near Winnipesaukee, which is probably the most famous of, of the lakes up there. And there's also Squam, where uh, uh, you know that, that old movie on Golden Pond was filmed. And, and right. we'd, we'd be up there for the summer, and, and you know, just messing around in boats was, was a big part of, of how we spent our summer, you know, canoes and rowboats and sailboats and all kinds of things. And so, um, you know, I've always loved it, uh, always loved being on the water. And you got into uh, sea kayaking at one point. I did. I uh, my my wife Jan and I have four boys, and and prior to their to their births, uh, plural, um, <laughs> I, I was uh, yeah I was I was pretty serious uh, into into sea kayaking. We we lived in in D.C. Um, as younger adults, and and to have the Chesapeake Bay close by, and you know I mean it's just a endless. Um, 
area to explore. And yeah. um, I'd sometimes take these great busman's holidays. I'm a, I'm a middle school uh, administrator. And, and when the kids would do work with a fantastic organization down there called the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, they would um, spend a week at these very remote sites. A lot of them were like old converted uh, gunning clubs, you know, like duck hunting clubs that had, had gone out of business or, or, you know, folded and then sold their their property to the to the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, right? And I I paddle to these places, you know, and I'd meet the kids out there. Um, and I remember one trip, I really sort of extended myself, and I, I had to make a complete crossing of the bay. And I remember I was about halfway across, and there were some watermen out there, you know, working their crab pots, and I they gave me the weirdest looks, like I just I couldn't really understand it. And then I got to my destination. And the folks were like, you paddled here? And I said, yeah, I did, you know, did, did I do something wrong? And, and they, they told me that I basically paddled through what was the Bermuda Triangle of the Chesapeake Bay. And, oh. and it was like <laughs> totally, you know, not the smartest thing in the world. And I, I think those watermen were like, what is this lunatic doing out here? Um, but it was, a, it was an amazing adventure. Um, but then when the boys were born, the paddling kind of, uh, it's it's hard getting six people in a boat, so we tended to do more terrestrial things um, when they came along. Right. Now, you took one of your sons on a canoe trip, though. I did. Uh, he uh, recently, um, we our oldest is a freshman in college, and before he went off to school, we um, we went on a, a pretty quick. It was about a forty-five mile. Uh, three-day trip on on our local river here in western North Carolina, which is the French Broad River. Uh, I'm just just outside of Asheville, North Carolina, and um, there's a paddle trail that's been set up, which is fantastic. And there are these you know beautiful campsites and um, you know elevated uh, toilet pit toilets, and it's really quite plush. And um, we went for three days on the French Broad paddle trail before he went off to college. It was sort of a last opportunity to be together before he went away. And um, it was just an incredibly powerful um, trip for me. I think he was like, oh, my sappy father. But um, <laughs> but I, I really, I had a great time. And he, I think he did too. He'd admit it. Um, and then uh, really strangely, I, I sort of I wrote a very short account of it that I submitted to a, a short story contest that Bending Branches was running, the paddle manufacturer, right. and um, wound up winning, which was, you know, probably because two other guys entered. But um, <laughs> I, uh, uh, they, and, and the, the prize was a, a $150 uh, gift certificate, you know, in their, in their online store, and, and that's, you know, pretty much a free paddle, uh, which yeah. is super. Um, and so that was, uh, it was great. And then they, they wound up doing a, a blog post on their website about it, which I was you know, really humbled to, to take part in. And they're actually going to do some, uh, uh, maybe pretty soon after this podcast airs, they're going to do another piece on paddle for progress, which, which I'm awesome. really excited about. Yeah. Good. Yeah. It's great. Now, I think from what I read, you're, little three-day trip sort of rekindled some of the excitement about paddling with you because shortly after you ended up with a new canoe in your driveway yeah that's definitely right <laughs> i mean i i it, it was i just uh you know i i think that there's something about um paddling you know where you can you really you're getting the best of of sort of uh the all the convenience and the ability to take pretty much 
um, whatever you'd like, you know, from car camping, but you're able to get to places that are as remote as if you were backpacking. And so it's, it's really, it's such a nice uh, hybrid of those two things. And mm-hmm. I really did, it, it did sort of reawaken, um, you know, the, the observation. I was like, I got to do more of this. And, um, you know, I looked around for a while, um, had a pretty good sense of what I was after. And um, as you guys probably are aware, you know, Bell Canoe has, has um, they, they sold out and then reformed as North Star. But yeah. um, those old Bell boats are really pretty well regarded. And um, I found a absolutely pristine one down outside of Atlanta and drove down with one of my boys and, and, and picked it up. And um, you know, it's just, just going to be it's going to be perfect. So yeah, yeah that was, we, that was fun. I know a couple of guys that have the old bell boats and they swear by them. Yeah. And yeah. I was, I was super, super happy to find it. Um, they're, they're getting a little bit rare and, um, you know, I'm, I don't have, uh, much as I'd love to, don't, don't have the money for a, a super nice composite boat lying around. And, and, uh, this was a great, it was a really sort of a, the perfect thing for the stage that mm-hmm. I'm at at this point. So it was great. Well, it's good you got it when you did because now prices of even used oh, canoes are this year. Yeah, skyrocketed. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yep, yep. Which is you know as we were talking about earlier is it's a great um, it's a great thing for the outdoors if if all these people who are who are sort of discovering the outdoors and outdoor activities become you know advocates for wild places. That's a super thing. Yeah. Um, but it's it's terrific that so many people are discovering you know whether it's paddling or or bike riding or camping or whatever it is um these are all pretty covid safe activities and and people are really you're coming to them in droves well we always joke about you know we were the last generation of come in before the street lights come on yes. sort of thing you know <laughs> we weren't we weren't stuck in front of the video games and and all that that's right like the kids are today so anybody that can get outside is you know more power to you yeah, no, it's it's so it's so good. It's good for everybody. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the work of uh, Richard Louvre, um, but he wrote Last Child in the Woods and um, a bunch of other books that talk about how critical it is for really for human beings of all ages to 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 be outside for extended periods of time. And I think it's people are really uh, COVID has forced folks to discover that you know, mm-hmm. which is which you know, it's a it's a horrible disease and and but that is one of the silver linings i think that that may have come from it yeah definitely definitely so now you have your paddle your canoe you have i presume at least three other boys that would love to come with you <laughs> yes there we go <laughs> right, we, put, we better put love in quotation marks <laughs> yeah yeah would would be happy to amuse their father right 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 <laughs> Uh, and, and, and that brings us to where we are right now with your paddle for progress. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, um, you know <laughs> much like the fundraising goal. It's a it's a pretty ambitious itinerary. It's um, uh, about a, a hundred and sixty miles through what's called the Catawba chain of lakes um, here in in the Carolinas. The the Catawba was a um, gorgeous river uh, historically speaking mm-hmm. um and it's it's um it's been dammed uh multiple, multiple times, times multiple places yep um you know all part of uh uh you know the electrification of the area and and um 
you know, certainly helped uh, with the standard of living in Appalachia and, and uh, was, was a critical public works project. But it did, it did radically affect the river. Um, and uh, it's, it's, you know, formed a number of lakes uh, between here and um, just south of Rock Hill, South Carolina, which is where we'll, we'll terminate at a, a state park called Rocky Shoals. Um, but it's, it's so the really a, a huge part of the challenge is going to be portaging around these dams. There, there are some massive dams. Um, but uh, a woman named Jennifer Wright, who's a, a project manager for Duke Energy, she's been incredibly helpful in terms of, um, you know, giving me the beta, as the climbers say, to figure out, um, you know, the best way around these things. Because in a lot of cases, the aerial photography images don't really reflect the reality because they're ongoing construction projects. Right. So um, that's going to be, that's going to be, and then, you know, we've also got to time some of our travel to, to dam releases and, and when, when the water will be really flowing. And uh, so there's a lot of logistical stuff um, that you wouldn't have in a, in a back country trip, you know, cause this yeah. is a front country trip. There's a, there's sort of a different set of challenges. Um, well, I was on the website and again, it's paddle for O-R-G. And they showed your route. So I was following your, I went to the live map and following the route down. Yeah, there's some big, uh, big dams you got to go around there. And um, there, there will be, and, and there, in some cases, I mean, this is really where, uh, you know, I've, I've just been so touched by, by the partnerships, you know, that have developed it, you know, and as you guys, you know, being generous with this airtime is amazing. And, and then there's a, an outfit called the, um, the Catawba Riverkeeper. Uh, and a fellow there named um, Greg Nance has been amazing. And he's, he said, you know, on some of these bigger portages where it's really, you know, you've got a mile plus and, and there's no, uh, you know, it's, there's basically like a service road. There's no trail or anything. Um, you know, he's offered to meet us you know, with like the river keeper pickup and, and help us get, get around some of these bigger hurdles and, and, wow. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's just incredibly, um, not just incredibly helpful, but it's really sort of touching that folks are willing to, to, to offer help like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's been super. I wish we had those back in the back bush. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Like a guy with a pickup truck, right? Yeah, yeah. four yes. kilometers. Yeah, just throw it in the pickup truck and yeah, we'll take the other. Right. I know, I know. At the risk of this sounding really cushy, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, you know what? We've been talking the last couple of years about a lot about urban paddling, mm-hmm. um, and you are going to be doing a lot of that. Um, there, you go through some big places and a lot of you. you it doesn't look like there's many spots where you're actually way out in the wilderness. I think you're right. I mean, I think that that's, that's going to be the other, the other thing is the timing of it. We're going to start, um, you know, just by virtue of a bunch of other circumstances and, and you know, other family things going on, we're going to start right after the July 4th weekend. So it, I think, you know, boat traffic and um, it's, it's going to be a concern, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it is, it's, this is not like a, a boundary waters or aquatico kind of thing. It's a, it's, it is more, <laughs> we're not quite paddling down a highway, but it, it is going to be, um, it's going to be busier. And, yeah. and I think, I think that's going to be really interesting. I think that, you know, we're going to have our, our moments of solitude. And, and I think, you know, in some of the quieter places, you know, you're still going to have those, you know, that gorgeous, you know, 
early morning mist or what or whatever it is but but there's we're going to be dodging water skiers in some cases and i think um you know we just have to have to have that in mind that it's it's gonna it's gonna have its um it's moments that that are not um sort of these like serene yeah wilderness moments yep yeah, yeah. There'll, be, there'll be boat wakes, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, like I say, yeah. following following the route, you're you're going through some big lakes, uh, but there is some nice river paddling. I mean, you've seen some of the the photos of it. Yes, um, yes. And yeah, the I hydro think, dams and the the urban paddling through towns and stuff like that. Yep, it'll it'll be really interesting. I've I've not, um, you know, strictly speaking, I've I've certainly not done a trip of this length. It's you know, it's going to be about 160 miles, which is you know long for me but short for others and mm-hmm. um i think uh and it will be it will be kind of a unique setting you know and i think um we may have to uh again we're going to get some help from from uh the catawba river keeper on this in terms of of where to overnight but um duke energy who controls this this body of water they have very strict rules about overnighting on the islands um, oh. they really they, they don't allow it and so that's a um, getting getting a, a solid sense of, of where we'll camp is another thing. You know, there there may be some sort of guerrilla camping moments where we're um, you know looking for for areas that are not uh, heavily populated and and just uh, of course practice leave no trace ethics and and just you know sort of get in and get out quickly. But um, so so there's a lot of there's a lot of unknown. There there are some some great uh, um, state park sites along the way that, right. that are you know they'll be pretty bulletproof in terms of you know being certain that we can we can be there but others will be a little more seat of the pants so yeah so um, it's not like something you can just throw all your gear in a canoe and say we're heading yeah there's definitely uh, right yeah logistics involved that's for sure there's a lot of it and uh you know i was joking with another interviewer about uh, i could i could use like a full-time sort of expedition manager but i'm it so um, <laughs> there you go <laughs> we'll figure it out yeah we'll figure it out um just getting some things here off your site uh this year's challenge will be two-man canoe expedition who's the other man well that's a super question i <laughs> to your point of uh uh you know uh boys loving to to paddle with their dad they they're they're not completely averse but what we have worked out is um we're gonna we're gonna um, plan for the upper end of the estimate, which is 12 days. And what we're gonna do is um, essentially uh, four trips of three days each. So dad will be the constant, but the bow man will change. Um, right. And and what'll be cool about that is um, almost all of them are self-propelled at this point, so they can just drive a car down. Uh, you know, they'll hop out. Um, with a uh, resupply and and the other guy will get in the car and drive back and so um, I think that'll work pretty smoothly and and as I joked before it's like we'll have more you know steak dinners you know you, you tend to only have that there stuff in the first couple <laughs> nights but with somebody showing up a new guy showing up every three days you know we'll yeah. have it'd be more ice cream on this trip Beauty. so <laughs> yeah we're, we're excited about that yeah that's awesome so that's yeah, so the, 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 the one man will be the the same old guy in the back, but but the guy in the front will change every few days. You see, it's more common than you think because I have my wife, my son, my daughter, and I do a me and them trip with each of them every year. 
So mm-hmm. I get three trips out of the deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, my friend, are a smart fella. <laughs> Some of it, I think, was out of necessity because I'm not sure anybody felt they could commit to the full 12 days. So, but it actually, it is. It's a nice format. I think. I think mm-hmm. it'll be. It, you know, it'll keep the guys who are, you know, trying to trying to maintain. You know, hang on to summer jobs and and um, you know, be around to hang out with their buddies. But but. Uh, They'll be able to help their old man out a little too, so we're, yeah. we're looking forward. Perfect. That sounds yeah. You know, it sounds it sounds really good. Uh, what else we got here? You're tra- you're going to traverse seven lakes. Um, the, yeah. yeah, the Catawba chain of lakes. Uh, lake James, Lake Rodis. Yep, that's Rodis. right. Lake Hickory, Lookout Shoals Lake, Lake Norman, Mountain Island Lake, and Lake Wiley. That's right. And if I can put a plug in for, for one of our sponsors, there's yep. a, a terrific um, area um, map maker uh, does it does most of the recreational bodies of water in this in the American Southeast. Um, it's called Kingfisher Maps. Right. Um, and they uh, um, uh, they did a, an amazing thing and, and sent us uh, two complete sets of, of the entire route. That's and, awesome. Uh, wow. So yeah, it was it was terrific, um, and and we'll, uh, um, you know, so there's there's a backup set, and then the, or there's a set to draw on, a set not to draw on. I mean, however, I've, um, uh, it's just I think you can't you can't solely rely on electronic navigation, and and just no. to have have paper maps and really high quality paper maps. We're we're really indebted to Kingfisher. That was super kind to them, and um, and they're 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 gorgeous products, and you know they're at. Uh, I think it's kingfishermaps.com, and, and they, they do good work. So we're really, really thrilled to partner with them. Excellent. Yeah, it's, it's really nice when somebody steps up like that to give a, give a hand out for something like this. Yeah, it, it sure is. And I've, you know, it's just it's happened time and again. And and um, often with, with some of these, you know, sort of uh, smaller, more niche companies and and to to find those folks who are willing to to work with you is it's just uh it's you know it's really humbling i mm-hmm. mean it's it's uh it's great um yeah and we've we've had uh um oh you know what this is a funny thing i, I don't i don't know if you guys are familiar with scepter cans which are a canadian product they're um they're they're like mill spec uh water jugs basically super right. burly and um one of the big American distributors of those um, uh, gave us, uh, uh, sold us at cost um, two of their 10 liter uh, water jugs, which is, is was great. And that was a really significant discount. Those are not inexpensive items. Um, and uh, we're thrilled to, to work with them on that. That's a level three container, they're called. Um, and then uh, just got some really cool uh, camp chairs in today um, from a, a company called Click, and they fold down. You know, it's sort of like a typical sideline chair or camp chair. Okay. But they fold down to the size of, um, like smaller than a two-liter bottle. It's it's really amazing. They've got really? a, a patented cam system. Yeah, they're they're very cool. And so they. Uh, I just got in touch with them and asked if they'd like to work together, and they said, "We'll send you some chairs for around the campfire." So that was awesome. Click, um, and we got a couple oh. other things in the works, but uh, you know, so that's that's the thing. You know, it's funny. It's that's part of of my job, I think, in in terms of like publicizing the thing and finding people to 
to work with us who can who can help us get the word out. Well, you know, and if you get you get your base down now, then next year maybe you get a couple of canoes go a bit farther or, or a different sort of thing. And mm-hmm. and, it, and mm-hmm. like you say, it, it does become a yearly thing, right? Yep, exactly, exactly. So you're you are you started this because of your buddy Jim. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Sean. That's really the the what's behind the whole thing. Um, yeah, uh, Jim Gokimori was a, a, a close friend, a fantastic guy. Um, we we met when uh, our families lived in a in a little town called Cheverly, Maryland, outside of uh, Washington D.C. And um, Jim uh, would you know had an epic battle with with brain cancer for more than seven years, and and really outlived all prognoses of of how he would do and um but ultimately passed away at uh, f- age 47 mm. and uh um just way too young and yeah. um you know left behind a wonderful wife and three terrific daughters and um you know i think i think about him every day and but he was he had an incredible spirit and he was a he was a real adventurer you know whether it was travel or uh, bike riding, that was the, the first, the impetus for the first fundraiser. Um, and, uh, you know, played the Irish game of hurling and um, just, he was a, he was a history teacher and, and, and middle school administrator, strangely enough, and um, just a great guy. And so this is really all in memory of him and, and trying to, um, you know, the, the, to your point about COVID, you know, there's been so much loss Mm-hmm. in this last year you know so many people have have had to had to grieve and and bury someone who was dear to them and um it's it's really it's it's the same thing you know how do you turn loss like that into something positive and um you know this is just one small way that uh uh that i'm trying to do that and and you know to maybe if if we can prevent a family from enduring what his did um uh, that'd be great. Uh, so that's really the that's the goal. Well, you know, and and kudos to you. It is a great way to uh, remember your friend, right? Yeah, it's a great legacy. Well, if, you know, and I think I, I've I've tried to pick things that that he would he would have like done at the drop of a hat, right? So if I'd said to him last year, you know, you, you, you want to ride up this mountain for eighty miles, um, he you know he would have done it. And, right. and uh, he would have he would have gone on this canoe trip, I have no doubt. And and so, um, you know, when I do these things, it's you know it's it's, it's hokey, but I, I certainly I feel closer to him, you know. It, and and I think that uh, um, I can I can totally imagine his participating and, and being really into it. Um, and so that's that's kind of a a fun thing. Um, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> I could also go to a microbrewery and drink beer and he'd be really into that too. So <laughs> that's where all hard. my friends are going to be. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's just hard to get people to, to send you money for doing that. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I had to, had to switch it up a bit, but, um, but yeah, his, his story and his interests, um, you know, are a huge part of this effort. Right. Uh, so you are starting this July 6th. That's right. Yeah, it'll be bright and early uh, on the morning of July sixth. Um, you know, we'll we'll set off and uh, and um, yeah, get underway. And and I, I it's, a, it's a there's a monumental list of things that have to occur before then. But 
Are you going to be right, documenting your route as you go? Or like you're going to be uh, tweeting it out or are you going to be uh, doing a daily vlog or anything like that? You know, that's it? a it's a great question, Derek. I think um, I'm, I'm hopeful. You know, it's another question of I'm not sure what, what connectivity is going to be like, um, but uh, we're certainly going to do try to keep social media updated and, and uh, you know, we're – um, we're on Instagram at, at paddle for progress. It's the number four paddle number four progress. Um, and, and really try to document as much in real time as we possibly can. Um, I think a, a longer write up is, is likely, um, something that'll take place afterwards. Um, you know, we'll, we'll try to get a lot of, uh, as I say, a lot of photographic documentation and then maybe, uh, put together a narrative later. Mm-hmm. I think, I'm, I want to strike a balance between sort of, you know, being in the moment and, and being somewhat removed from, from the pressures or the, the constant nature of technology, um, but also, uh, you know, be able to tell the story effectively. So um, figure, I don't think I'm going to be like frantically typing away at the campfire, but I, no. I do think that, <laughs> yeah. um, I think that, uh, you know, I'll definitely be be uh, taking as many pictures as I possibly yeah. can. Yeah, I imagine um, a lot of the donors would be, they'd want to follow along and, and uh, follow along on yes. the journey and, and on yep. the challenge, right? That's exactly right. Yep. And to, to you know, in some cases to, to as, uh, you know, it's, it's um, uh, you know, I don't know if it sounds a little crass, but, you know, these these are these are business decisions they've made. And so they, you know, they want to see their products in action and, and uh, yes. things like that. So, yeah, we've got to, we definitely have to have to be doing some of that. And I think by virtue of the trip not being in the back of beyond, um, we'll probably, um, you know, we'll, we will be able to, to keep relatively real time mm-hmm. uh, coverage of it. Um, which is good, and I've also I got to figure out my charging situation as to whether <laughs> I'm gonna whether I'm gonna try the solar angle or or um, you know just rely on um, you know a series of of battery banks. I think again the the uh, new guy every three days thing helps a lot with that. So, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so we should we should be in good shape for that. Awesome. Yeah. So paddle for progress with the F O R in the middle. Uh, dot org is your website. That's the website, right? Yeah. Paddle for progress with the number four is your Instagram. That's right. Which sounds like it was done by a guy with no marketing experience. Which is, <laughs> you know, it's like, like why? Why would you change the name, you dummy? But but yeah, that's uh, that's how it went. Yeah. <laughs> so if people want to donate, oh, that'd be fantastic. I mean, I think you know, at the end of the day, guys, we're. I'm not going to achieve this goal, you know, solely with my, you know, circle of friends or, or my wife's or, uh, you know, we're going to have to, um, I, I think we're ultimately probably going to count on, on folks who are, you know, don't, you know, strangers who are just moved by the story and are like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll throw that guy 10 bucks, right? If we, if that happened enough, we'd, we'd be great. Um, yeah, the easiest thing I think is probably if you, if you do navigate to the, um, to the website, uh, there's a ways to give link and, um, that takes you to, to basically to three options. Um, there's a, and, and this is another thing that's slightly confusing. We have a Facebook fundraiser that we're running, you know, if you're on Facebook, mm-hmm. um, but we also have a portal through the national brain tumor society's website and the link on the website 
on our Paddle for Progress website will take you to that uh, National Brain Tumor Society portal. And so the, the um, total amounts will be added together at the end of the fundraiser. And we're hopeful that we can get to, to 10 grand. Um, uh, if that's half through the National Brain Tumor Society's portal and half through Facebook, that's fine. It doesn't really matter. Um, and then if you follow, uh, if you go to the links in our bio on Instagram, uh, there are buttons there um, to donate either through the National Brain Tumor Society site or through Facebook if, if you're on Facebook. Um, so the, both of those things are there. Awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. It should be pretty easy if, if folks are interested and we would be extremely grateful for, for, um, anyone's support who, who listens to this, right? Our, our brothers north of the border or, um, anywhere around the world, that'd be fantastic. And we'll, we'll put your, um, website up on our, our Facebook page as well. Yeah, so we'll, people can yeah. click on that. And, oh, that'd uh, be super. Thanks, yeah, guys. if you do break the $10,000 barrier, Derek will buy me a beer. So everybody, <laughs> I need your support. Get Derek buy me a beer. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. If the, if the uh, cancer story doesn't move you enough, buying Sean a beer might. There you go. <laughs> See, yeah. Different priorities. That's right. That's right. It's all good. Hit all it good. from every angle we yeah. can. That's right. That's right. Well, Jeff, this th- this really sounds awesome. Uh, like I say, kudos to you for uh, keeping your buddy's memory alive this way. Uh, we'll definitely get this up on our website, and uh, well, everybody will be able to listen to it uh, on Thursday. Which, That's well, I guess they're listening to it now. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I just want to thank you guys for for um, you know being uh, so generous with your time and and you know responding to my. I mean, you guys probably get a lot of inquiries, and it's like, is, you know, what is this guy up to? And I, I'm just, I'm grateful we were able to do this. I've enjoyed it a great deal. Yeah, it's it's been fun. You know, like we, we like hearing these different stories from yeah. different places rather than, you know, just, oh, yeah, Fred down the road here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're down the road around the corner and over a couple of hills and a border. Yeah, and this is our right. opportunity to help out and give back as well, right? So yeah. it's it's like it's a big brotherhood, sisterhood. It's uh, everybody does their part and uh, and it, we're more than happy to that you have come to us and that we're able to help you out and, and help out the good cause. Well, I, I really appreciate that, Derek. I mean, I think, you know, we, as, as we were talking about a little bit earlier, that I, I, I see, you know, sort of a Canadian canoeing trip as, as you know, that's the major leagues. And, and I think, uh, you know, to be able to talk with you guys about this and, and, and you know, hear some hear so, you know, stories of yours and, and, and whatever expertise and, uh, I, can, I can glean is great. I think it's, uh, you know, Canada's sort of the, you guys are like the Yodas of, uh, of canoeing. So it's, it's, uh, it's great to be able to, to chat with you about it. Obi Sean Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on, Jeff. We will um, talk more about your, your paddle for progress and get it up on our website and our, uh, our Facebook page and, uh, and whatnot. And uh, hopefully you definitely make that $10,000 goal this year. Well, thanks so much for your support, guys, and, and for the time. I've yes. really, thanks really for, enjoyed it a great deal. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Very welcome. Uh, and we'll uh, take a quick break here and be back with a couple of other things. Hey, this is Sean Rowley, and you're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. To find out more about us, check out our website, paddlingadventuresradio.com. 
You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Current and past episodes of our podcast can be downloaded or streamed from iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page of our website. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, we would love to hear from you. So drop us a line on Facebook or our website. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. Um, Speaking of long canoe trips. Yes. uh, I know of at least five people slash groups that are doing the Mississippi this year. I mean, if you want to social distance yourself. <laughs> if, if well, you're... <laughs> it's just fine. A massive long river and sail in it. Well, I wonder what, like we, we saw a lot of activity on the lakes and rivers over last year. We saw more this year and... I was looking at reading an article in Paddle Mag, and they're saying that it just by instinct they're saying, you know what, this I, if this bump in interest in paddling is, they don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. This mm-hmm. is a lot of people yep. have suddenly been interested or introduced to something pretty fantastic, and there's going to be a lot of people that uh, hang on to it and carry it forward. And you know what? The more, like like Jeff was saying, that uh, the more people uh, fall in love with uh, the backcountry and the outdoors, it uh, it really will carry on to people preserving the backcountry yep. and and doing more and learning the uh, the the leave no trace values and and so on, right? And so I think with that, we're going to see a lot more epic trips like this. I think we're going to see a lot more people doing the expeditions, especially during these current times because mm-hmm. in these current times there's a lot of uh unfortunately people out of work or people between jobs or or so on so people are going you know what i've always wanted to do this i've i've never been able to take that much time off work i'm doing it now and honestly like i mean we're we're lucky in our household everybody has their jobs except my daughter whose job is being a student <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're very, very lucky that we've kept our jobs and, and haven't been that affected by everything. Um, but had I lost my job, I may have done something like this. I know, Perfect right? time to absolutely, do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? So what'd you do while you were laid off? Well, let me tell you. Well, what you know? better way to save money than go paddle where you're, you're paddling on a river system and, and there may be some gorilla camping, but there mostly be some campground camping, which is Mm -hmm. relatively cheap. And so you have a a stockpile of freeze dried food and, and you know, it's, it's, you're, you're not spending money on gas in your vehicles. You're not doing, going shopping. You're, you're, you're doing something physical and, and worthwhile. Right. I go out (laughs) once a week now. In the truck, just yeah. to give it a run. And while we do our, our shopping sort of thing, I filled up the end of March. Yeah. I'm still on that same tank. I'm just <laughs> under. I have gone just 
over a quarter of a tank yeah. since the end of March. I drive a big Ford F-150. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still mostly going to work. The, the, <laughs> I have to be I'm at work for a lot of my job. Yeah. So I'm only going to talk about a couple of these trips because I'm thinking we might have, there's a, a fella that I, I watched a um, thing the other day, little web, a webinar uh presentation the other day about a trip that he's looking at doing. So we might get him on here to talk about his big trip. There's a fella, Hank Kohler, May 1979. Think back, Derek. Think back. (laughs) You were 11 years old, Derek. His younger brother, Keith, and two of their buddies set out on a, from a boat ramp on East Leaf Lake in East Otter Tail County, Minnesota. On a canoe voyage that took them across the portage into the Red River water system uh, and north to their eventual destination 1,400 miles away, York Factory on the Hudson's Bay. He says, we had no real idea how long the trip would take. We were so new at canoeing. In fact, we didn't even know how many miles per hour or how many miles we could even go (laughs) in a day. So how do they know how much food to bring? (laughs) They must have been relying on. Well, fishing. apparently they were they were okay because you know that was they back made in it. 1979. <laughs> on Thursday, June 3rd, 2021, for approximately 42 years later, um, Kohler will push off from the same East Lake Lake boat ramp on another epic canoe trip, only this time he will stay in the Mississippi River watershed, paddle south 2,100 miles to the Gulf of Mexico. Wow. He's 69 now. 68, 69 Good for now. him. Various friends will join him on different legs of the trip, he says, but he's the only paddler committed to the full trip. I guess his brother and his buddies... <laughs> <laughs> Forget it. I'm not falling for that one no a way, second man. time. <laughs> you got me the first time. I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> if all goes according to plan, his brother and their two buddies who paddled to Hudson's Bay in 79 will be on hand for the send-off at East Leaf Lake. He'll paddle across the lake into the Leaf River, which flows into the Crow Wing River before entering the Mississippi River at Crow Wing State Park. That's an amazing trip. Isn't it? Both of them are. 79, and then now, 42 <laughs> years later. That's so, crazy. Yeah, wow. Uh, total of what? Uh, 3,500 miles. 3, miles. Yeah. All said and done. So basically paddling from the Gulf of Mexico to the Hudson's Bay. That's crazy. Yeah, awesome, eh? <laughs> The other one, so I'm going to read you something. A sign, which we've seen multiple places today. Here, 1,475 feet above the ocean, the mighty Mississippi begins to flow on its winding way, 2,552 miles to the Gulf of Mexico. That seems to be the spot where everybody leaves the headwaters of the Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. There is such a thing called the Mississippi Speed Record. Ah, yes. First time in 42? Yeah, Guinness World Book of Records. Two separate teams this year of canoeists are attempting to break the record for the fastest trip down the Mississippi. The record is 18 days. So 
Team MM0, M-M-Z-E-R-O, is currently on the water and hopes to finish in a few days. So yeah, they're already halfway through, more than halfway through this. Yeah. Uh, hoping to set the new record. You can follow them at mmzero.org, mmzero.org to find out where they are and if they're actually, because I think they said they had on Tuesday, they had six days left. They're on it right now. They're on it right now. Huh. The second team that's trying to beat the Mississippi speed record is called Team Mississippi speed record. They've just begun paddling. They're still up in uh, Minnesota near the Mississippi headwaters. And you can follow their progress at MississippiSpeedRecord.com. You figured that would be taken already. (laughs) You think, eh? Apparently not. (laughs) So people have been setting this record and breaking the record for fastest paddle down the Mississippi River since 1937. That's amazing. Record is recognized by the Guinness World Book of Records under the title Fastest Time to Row the Length of the Mississippi River by a Team. Row? Which I'm thinking there's got to be by a single person or solo as well. You think? If it says by a team. Yeah. Right? So I'm thinking there's two categories here. (laughs) You're going to go for one of them? I'm not saying I am, but I'm not saying I'm not. (laughs) Most of the teams that have set the world record have done so in a canoe. Though, per the guidelines issued by Guinness, a skull, rowing boat, kayak, or canoe would be permissible. There you go. Now, if you've got these Olympic guys that skull. I know, yeah. They'd be done in an afternoon. (laughs) You see some of those guys? (laughs) <laughs> and I guess they're doing it this time of year just for the spring flood water, right? I would think for so. For the high flows. Not a lot of people out there. Yep. So the first time the record was set in 1937, Joe Tag, Gerald Capers, and Charles Sanders posted from Itasca to New Orleans in 56 days. Now Itasca is where that, that sign is. Mm-hmm. It's actually carved into a sort of a tree yes. or a yep. sort of thing. 56 days in 37, 1937. Various teams have broke the record, so it went down, you know, like 42 days, 37 days, 30 yeah. days, you know, all the way yeah. down. The current world record, May 10th to 23rd, 2003, that's as current as it's going to get, 18 days, 4 hours, and 51 minutes. That's, uh, that's, that's, seems like it's pretty darn quick. You would think... Mind you, you could probably drive that in a couple of days. (laughs) Right? I got the record. Um, At times on the river, it looks like you're doing 100 kilometers an hour. (laughs) You know. Since 2003, there have been at least three unsuccessful attempts to break the record. A team of four made an attempt in 2014, and in 2017, they made another attempt. Another group made an unsuccessful attempt in 2018. So 14, 17, and 18 didn't have it. 2020, Scott Miller put together a team to break the record, but because of COVID pandemic and numerous stay-at-home orders, the attempt was scrapped. Scott Miller has put together a current team trying to break the 2021 record. See, at this time... 
with the record so tight with so few hours, I think really it's going to come down to luck and weather because and it's a full moon. <laughs> but really, if, if you are, if things are, everything is in your favor and you get the, just the right weather, the right wind at your back and you don't, you're not, you know, uh, you don't have to lay up because of like heavy winds or heavy rains mm-hmm. or bad storms. You know what I mean? It's not too hot. It's not too cold. So it's like the, if the, it's going to come down to conditions, like the the next record-breaking attempt is going to be it's, it's eighteen hours. It's that's going to all be, the stars have to align exactly. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you got to do it. I mean, I would do it in June when the days are the longest. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, when we, and I'm just taking when when I set up the the Brent Run mm-hmm. that we did. Yeah, specifically, it was a full moon, and in June. Yes. So we'd have the longer day, longest days, and the full moon at night to so we could see where we were going, right? Yeah. But yeah, if the we we ran into the wind. Exactly. Right? Uh if yeah, if you can get like the perfect that's the only way you're gonna eighteen days. Mm-hmm. You know, or I think the next next breaks are gonna be by hours, not days. Yeah. You know, like the next one, you know, they got 18 days, four hours. Well, the next one's going to be like 18 days even or mm-hmm. something like that, right? Or 17 days, 23 hours sort of. Exactly. Sort of deal, right? Um, yeah. But I didn't realize that there was a race going down in Mississippi. <laughs> we do now. And now that I know. <laughs> hang on a second here. Okay. Bucket list item number. <laughs> <laughs> but really with that time, like I said, like it, it just reminds me of, uh, so we did the meanest link and it was, uh, it was, uh, Johnny Grant, Peter and myself. And so when we started out, we're, we were good to ha- make a really good time. And then, you know, we, a few series of uh, unfortunate events and Peter had to pull up because he, he, he almost broke his ankle. It was badly twisted. And so then it was a threesome. So there was always a solo paddler in one canoe and, you know, there's, there's various conditions where that didn't when we ended up doing it in 10 days, which mm-hmm. was not too far off the record. The subsequent year, Johnny and, uh, uh, Johnny and Grant went back. And they did it with just as a two-man team. And their time was amazing. Like the both of them, they worked, they really got into great shape to do it. But when they get up to Cedar, they they were they were windbound for all they lost almost a full yeah. day just being yeah. windbound on Cedar, right? Cedar's bad for So that. and it's it's really it comes down to when you have when it's that tight and and it, there's you have specific people that are able to push like that, like Man, we were doing like, you know, uh, 13, 14, 18 hour days and stuff. Uh, Johnny and Grant were doing like 18 hour, 20 hour days. Uh, the, the next group that did make the time, they were, they were doing like, uh, 18 hour days almost every day. Well, those were day. the racers. There was the racers. Yes. Mm, fully supported race crew. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Again, I kind of put a star beside their name, right? Because they, they had a support crew They had people bring them food. They, they only carried the water on their back and a few snacks and they had people like showing up with vehicles and setting up their campsites and it's like, yeah, Yeah, there's, there's (laughs) comments about that. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you feel like racing down the Mississippi to the (laughs) Gulf of Mexico, have I got a deal for you? Uh, but yeah, there's, there's teams I've seen boats. I mean, they're like, they're, they're, these teams have four people. 
in a canoe. Yes. Right? So yeah. So one person gets to nap. I'm thinking, yeah, <laughs> if you can get some scholars on, like some university scholars. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So you guys want to go practice for a couple of weeks? <laughs> yeah. In one go? Yeah, I'll get you in shape. <laughs> so how long is practice day to day? Eight hours, nine hours, <laughs> depends. <laughs> Might end up being 20. Depends how far we get. <laughs> Could you imagine? That would be awesome. Uh, yeah, no, I did not know um, that there was actually a, a race down the, a Mississippi speed record. So yeah. something to add to the bucket list. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot of people doing these big, big runs this year. And I don't know if it's because, like you say, people have lost their jobs. So got the time to do it may as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Take the summer off sort of deal, but cool. Um, that's all I've got. What about you? That's all I got. That's it? Mm-hmm. Well, all righty. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream our episodes at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Player FM, all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com and listen to our episodes. And while you're there, hit the big old merchandise button, uh, support the podcast. And if you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends and family and fellow paddlers. I want to thank uh, Jeff Khalil for being on today to talk about Paddling for Progress. We'll put uh, information up on our Facebook page and that so you can go check him out and uh, maybe donate some shekels. Because like you say, if he reaches 10 grand, uh, Derek has to buy Derek, Derek's buying some me beer. beer. So <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not doing that anyway. You know what? And if he does, I'll maybe we'll hold a draw so everybody can submit their... Uh, what type of beer Derek has to buy. <laughs> That'll be awesome. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think that's about it. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. <laughs>